Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Do you love this show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before, like Latinas talking about dinero. Anchor will help you distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Start today and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. And today we're going to be talking about how to retire early and live an intentional life with the award-winning anonymous blogger known as Purple from A Purple Life, a blog that she uses to document her fire journey. Purple is a Black woman who worked in marketing and retired in 2020 at the age of 30. She has an amazing story, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. In this episode, Purple and I discuss how she discovered FIRE, what her spending habits were like before she decided to pursue FIRE, 
what changed her relationship with money, how she built intentionality into all her decision-making, selling all her stuff and becoming a nomad, and how the pandemic affected her fire plans. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. Because Purple is anonymous, she's really able to give concrete numbers that really help you understand what her journey was like. And I think you'll be really surprised to find out that she wasn't initially sold on the idea of fire. So let's hop into this conversation with Purple from A Purple Life. Before we get into today's episode, if you love this podcast and want to see us continue to grow and continue to have an impact, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes or on that Purple app on your phone, the Apple Podcast app. That's the best way that you can help us continue to grow. If you're looking for even more community, check us out on social media. You can find us at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast, wherever you like to hang out, even on TikTok, y'all. And if you want even more personal finance content, head over to our blog at YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you'll find all the episode show notes, personal finance tips, articles, and upcoming events. We have a free wealth building workshop on December 8th. All you have to do to register is head over to our blog, Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast, or hop into our Instagram bio and get your ticket now. Oh my gosh, y'all. So we have the one, the only, A Purple Life on the podcast today. Purple, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I am so good and I'm so excited to talk to you. For people who don't know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Purple. I'm the anonymous blogger behind apurplelife.com and I've been blogging about my journey to retire at 30 for the last five years and I just did it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so epic. And I want to get into all of that. Um, But before we get started, I have so many questions. First off, congratulations for this monumental accomplishment. Like you just mentioned, you just retired. How many weeks ago was it now? Um, I think it was three. I'm really losing track of time. (laughs) (laughs) I figure that happens when you just are not subject to the same type of routine that is required of someone that's working a nine to five, right? Exactly. I really don't (laughs) know. I usually know which day of the week it is just because I post on Tuesdays, but I don't know the date or like (laughs) relative. It was, I just checked. It was 20 days ago of this recording that I retired. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Okay. So my first question to you, before we get into your fire journey and just the process that you actually took to retire by the age of 30, um, first off, what was your relationship like with money growing up? Was like this whole idea of financial independence and you know not working for the rest of your life something that you grew up learning about, knowing about, or no? Absolutely not. And it's funny because my mom actually retired early at 55, but she didn't know and had never heard of FIRE until about three years into her retirement. I was like, mom, you did this. And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people have this misconception that like in order to qualify as someone who's achieved FIRE, you have to retire at like 30 or 35. But anybody Mm -hmm. who's retiring before the age of 65 is technically an early retiree, right? It's earlier than the traditional retirement set by Social Security. So I say yes. Awesome. Well, congrats to you and your mom, because y'all are both like on this amazing path. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So I want to get into like, what was the thing that even introduced you to fire? Like, how did you learn about this concept? 
I have to give full credit to my partner. He actually learned about it through Reddit, of all things. Oh, wow. Well done, I know. Um, we were living in New York, and I think he Googled something like, what do you do when you're not struggling? Or what do you do when you have extra money? Because we finally were, you know, not paycheck to paycheck. And it took him to the subreddit personal finance, which somehow directed him to the subreddit financial independence. And he shared the idea with me. And then I quickly uh, shut him down and did not at all listen um, and then ignored him for two years. So that's great. Mm hmm. You know what? I feel like my husband is you in the sense that I'm still <laughs> trying to convince him that this is actually possible. And he's just like, look, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. But I don't think he's sold on the idea yet. So how did your partner actually like get you to change your mind? That's the thing. He kind of didn't. He like laid the groundwork and he gave me the information, um, but he didn't push me. And I think that might have been part of why it ended up working strangely because I like he brought it up maybe every once every six months to like send me an article this is really cool or whatever but he wasn't like so what do you think you're like because oh. if he did you know like human nature I might just be like ah you know leave me alone going. <laughs> now I'm angry at you and this idea of fire so humans are silly sometimes but he just kind of like gently prodded me. And at the same time, um, one of the reasons I think that worked actually and that he didn't feel this immense pressure to get on me about it is because we did then and now had separate finances. So like he really was saying, this is a cool thing, but you don't have to do it because we have separate finances. Like I'm doing it. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm just trying to help you out if you're interested. Um, so that was like the weird dynamic. But for me personally, I was like totally, uh, I don't want to say brainwashed, but I gave like all the textbook reasons and excuses for why I wasn't interested. Like, oh, what would I even do in retirement? Like, seriously, old purple, are you kidding me right now? Um, like, oh, I don't want to retire. I just need to find my dream job. Oh, like, there's no way I can save that amount of money living in New York. And I didn't even do the math. I just like offhandedly said that <laughs> so you know all the standard stuff um and then what ended up happening and I feel so grateful that it happened in two years instead of like 20 I actually got my dream job I got it so one of those things I was like yeah okay perfect I'm gonna be happy or at least happy enough that I'm fine fighting my way onto the New York subway every Monday morning um, because I got this dream job and it ticks all of the boxes that I had laid out beforehand. Like, this is perfect. Nope. Still didn't want to do it for another 30 or 40 years. So I'm like, hmm, what was that thing you said? Was it fire? Cool. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. Girl, I can totally resonate with that. I thought that my ticket to happiness was making six figures in a job. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing it and I was like, wow, I still hate this shit. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get your dream to be like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's like there, there's such a wake up call that happens for people that that decide to pursue fire. It's like, okay, so it's not about how much money you're making. It's literally about having the freedom to do whatever the hell you want to do. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like, what was your money situation like before you decided to pursue fire? 
Oh, I was wiling out. So I <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to my mom and she was like, okay, we'll just put some money in your 401k when you get your first job and then whatever. So that was kind of the end of the lesson. And I was like, sweet. So I did that. So this is all spending money, you know, obviously. <laughs> what else would I do with it? So after um, I started out in New York making 35k and I was paying like, I think it was $1,500 a month in rent. I was paying my rent and my partner's rent. So, you know, that's like, we were it was very close to not actually making it right there um on rent alone so after we had like i got a um i actually quit my first job because it was super toxic even though i didn't have anything lined up and the first monday of my fun employment i actually got a call that i got another job which was a promotion and it was making 48 and so once that happened, and we also moved to a less expensive apartment, suddenly there was a gap in my income and spending. And I'm like, hmm, so obviously I need to spend this lavishly. Uh, yeah, started buying purses that were uncomfortable to use, so I never used them. Started buying uh, high heels, which I can't even walk in. So what was I thinking? great question. I uh, decided that I, of course, needed to fly first class. Like, I lost my mind. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is all spending money because I did that 401k thing. So whatever. Right. So, so yeah, I, I, I was, mm, I can't even. <laughs> yeah. So, so it sounds like you had to make a pretty drastic, like, mindset shift and really change your relationship with money. So, like, how did you actually go about doing that? Well, one part of that dream job that I loved about it was that it was the first job I had where I was not working absolutely wild hours. So I worked basically nine to five, sometimes a little less than, um, and I was not at the whim of clients. I usually work in client service. Instead, I was building something with um, one other woman. So I actually had time to breathe. Um, and in that time, I thought about everything. I was like, do these heels make me happy? Does this $100 purse make me happy? Is any of this making me happy? <laughs> uh, and the answer kept being no. So I was like, then what am I doing? It like, if I could instead take money from all this stuff that's not making me happy and then direct it towards something that in the future might make me happy, but also in the meantime will make me more financially secure, which I suspected would lower my stress level just like in general, because I worked in marketing and usually originally in ad agencies, which has a huge amount of turnover and layoffs. It's like an annual thing that people get laid off large percentages of these companies. So it's not at all secure. Um, and I didn't usually have a very big emergency fund. So I suspected that in the long term and even short term, it would make me happier. So I tried it to see. And luckily, I was right. Wow. All right. So I want to get into the nitty gritty of your fire journey. Can you actually walk me through your strategies? What did you implement as far as your savings and investing strategies? Sure. Um, investing really simple. I am extremely aggressive investor. Um, so I actually have 100% of my money in stocks just straight up Vanguard total stock market index fund. Um, and then savings and figuring all that out, I kind of, both for budgeting and for my fire journey, take kind of an anti 
budget approach. So I didn't try and say like, I'm going to save 50% of my money. Instead, I was like, all right, I'm going to spend whatever I spend. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to see how much that means I saved. And then I'm going to project that forward and see, okay, so if I keep saving that amount, then when will I retire? And originally, um, I was still in New York. Um, I was spending about $35,000 a year just for myself. And by the time I adopted um, the fire journey, I was making 68. I had quit another job or got laid off. I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> but um, I was on, was it my fourth job? I think so. So I was making 68 and uh, spending 35. So just doing that projection, it, I did like some simple fire calculator. If you Google it, it said that I could retire in 10 years, which at the time was 35 years old. Um, so that's where I started. And then slowly we started maxim or we started optimizing a few things, including getting out of New York <laughs> for happiness sake, but also money wise. Um, and doing that, we moved from Manhattan to Seattle. And just that move, like literally just getting an apartment in that different city, even an actually a nicer apartment in Seattle, um, almost cut my spending in half. And I started, I was spending 18K and happier than ever. So doing that, yep. And then obviously I changed jobs when we moved, started making 85. Um, a year later, I was making 103. And right before I left, I think I was making like 115. So with all of that, that cut my original fire timeline of 10 years to about five. Amazing. Okay. I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> so $18,000 a year, that sounds like a very small number to live mm -hmm. on. So are you just like naturally frugal? No. Okay. <laughs> you're not talking about the purses and the heels. Yes, yes, you're right. We did, we did touch on that. So how the hell do you go from that to like $18,000 a year for your expenses? It really was just continuing to think, will this make me happy? And if the answer is yes, I spend on it. Like, for example, a blogger friend of mine texted me one time. She was like, oh, do you want to go to a lake house for 4th of July? I was like, yep. How much is it? 500. Cool. I'm Venmoing you now. Like, <laughs> if it's if it's something I'm interested in, I totally go for it. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, well, did I go over budget? And somehow these last three or how long were you in Seattle? Four years. I didn't. I kept expecting, like, I keep doing whatever I want. There has to be like <laughs> some retribution. This can't just keep working out, but it did. And I think it's because those huge expenses, the large ones that I have, they were on lock. Like we had our apartment that was way nicer than the one we had in New York, but it was half the price. I also have some weird preferences that help me keep my expenses low. Like obviously we had that apartment. I don't personally want to own a house. So like all of the unexpected expenses that come with that. I don't have them. When our dishwasher broke, I texted my landlord. I didn't have to shell out however much. It, I don't even know how much a dishwasher is. <laughs> a couple hundred, a thousand. I have no idea. Um, I don't have to do that. I grew up in Atlanta. And as a result of that, I detest driving cars. I have sat in traffic. Like, um, I feel like as long as I've been alive, I can't. I can't do it anymore. So one of the reasons we chose Seattle is because they have an amazing public transit and pedestrian and biking system. So um, we chose our apartment based on where I could walk to work. Um, so that was huge. And then if it was I needed to go farther than, you know, bikes or the bus or Uber or whatever I need to do to get there. And that not having that like car payment plus gas plus insurance plus et cetera, that also keeps it really low. 
as I mentioned, my partner and I have separate finances. We're also not having kids. Mm-hmm. That helps keeps it low. So like all these weird preferences I have have culminated in 18K a year in a major metropolis in the U.S. Yeah. And I I love that you talk about this whole concept of like literally you need to move somewhere that's going to allow you to pursue fire. I mean, I feel like you can do it anywhere, but mm-hmm. trying to do it in New York City, like, you know, you got to be earning some serious money. Um, so the fact that you decided to move makes a lot of sense because I actually did the same thing. I grew up born and raised in New Jersey. Cost of living is crazy. It's pretty much like it living in New York at this point. And so I decided to move to Florida. And so my cost of living has been slashed like in half, you know? Yeah. And I think that the ability to control those costs by moving, like that's a really big deal. And that can definitely accelerate your fire journey. For sure. And I always like using um, set costs that I know, like I mentioned, I don't assume anything until like I spent X amount for a year and that's what I used to project. So I was using those New York numbers, but I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in New York. (laughs) So not even like necessarily moving somewhere just to cut your costs, but move where you want to be. Yeah. How did you actually select Seattle as the place that you wanted to end up? Of course, a spreadsheet. Nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had all kinds of cities on there and weighted criteria including um, where I could make a good salary in a marketing industry because that's not everywhere. For example, we also had San Diego on the list um, and they have very few ad agencies because they don't have a lot of major industries like major companies that are looking for marketing work nearby. So that was kind of slashed even though they were 10 out of 10 on the weather front and (laughs) nearby nature and all that stuff. Um, But they also were off the chart because you require a car. So that's not going to work. Um, but basically, Seattle had the perfect mix of actually paying Manhattan salaries, which I didn't find, combined with a much lower cost of living. The only other place that I found that really makes Manhattan salaries is San Francisco. And I'm pretty sure they're beating Manhattan for cost of living right now. So Seattle was looking pretty good. Plus, as I mentioned, they have amazing public transit. Um, the, their natural beauty is off the charts. Oh, I was just freaking out, looking out my window and seeing like hummingbirds and uh, tr- and beautiful trees and the mountains in the distance and water. I was just like, what is this place? It's a fairy tale land. Um, so that's how we chose Seattle. And we moved there without my partner ever having visited. So that was nerve wracking. But luckily, he liked it. <laughs> and We stayed. Yeah, I mean, I love Seattle. I think it's really hard to like not appreciate how just forward thinking and somehow they manage to make you feel like you're still within nature, even in the middle of like a major city, Mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah, they have a huge emphasis on parks and I'm forgetting the man's name, but um, one of the like, I was going to say high ranking members. No, one of the um, uh, people that helped design Seattle basically had a a emphasis on green spaces. Um, And there's like an entire walking tour I did that showed all the different ways he did that and just really wanting to feel like you're in nature, even though you're like, oh, also this is a major city. I forgot about that. (laughs) Well, I love that because I think it touches on something that I don't think a lot of people like place enough value on, which is like your quality of life where you live has a really big impact on like your day to day, on your mindset, on just like 
your ability to even be in a good place mentally. Like I found Mm -hmm. that for myself too. living in New Jersey, never felt like I really belonged there. I was just like over the crowdedness and the congestion and whatever. And I was like, I need to live somewhere where there's palm trees and ocean because that's the place that's going to like get me in the mindset that I need to live my best life. Mm -hmm. So do you agree with like the fact that your surroundings definitely impact your mindset? Oh, absolutely. Um, New York and I didn't get along. <laughs> we I moved there because that was the only place out of college I could get a job. Um, I graduated college in 2011, but we were still, um, there was still a job shortage. So I applied everywhere. I had been networking specifically to find a job for two years and I got one offer and it was in New York. So we moved to New York. Um, but yeah, it never fit with me. Like, uh, I am obsessed with film and I was so disappointed the first time I went to New York after having seen how it's depicted in movies. I was like, there's no way these two rats fighting on the subway is what I'm supposed (laughs) to be like glitz and glam. So excited about what is this place? So just like personally, yeah, it's like, unless you have millions and millions of dollars, it's dark. It's kind of depressing. Like my apartment window literally faced a brick wall. Like it wasn't great. I need natural sunlight. So, yeah. yeah. I can totally see why you made the move. So, a lot. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Those lines, so you decided to go to Seattle. Did you go without a job or did you secure a job first? Oh, no, I went without a job, a place to live, friends, family, you know. (laughs) It was wild. (laughs) Yeah, talk me through that. That sounds crazy. Yep. 
<laughs> but I mean, I guess we kind of do crazy things every once in a while. Um, like we just sold everything we owned in Seattle and then moved to Georgia. So, you know. So you're just not afraid of like doing scary shit. Oh, no, I'm terrified, but I do it anyway. <laughs> well, that's a really great message. Like you have to go beyond the fear to start living a life that you can only imagine. Okay, so you leave New York, you're in Seattle, you're pursuing fire. So I have a question, more mm-hmm. technical question. Like, can you explain to the audience for people that don't know, like, what is your fire number? And like, how do you actually calculate that? So standard protocol is to multiply your annual spending by 25. Um, That's based on something called the 4% rule of thumb um, based on the Trinity study from, I believe, the 80s. But as I mentioned, I retired at 30. And those calculations are based on a 30-year or 35-year retirement. Um, And I'm, fingers crossed, hopefully going to have a 70-year one. So (laughs) I needed to have a bit of a different approach. Um, So my baseline, I was like, okay, well, you know, um, I'm spending 18K, but I want to live this nomadic lifestyle. And I assume that I will have more expenses if we're moving more often. So instead of having an annual lease, I have monthly Airbnbs, or maybe there's unfortunately more food waste that I donate to the, the um, local food shelter before we leave. Or food shelter? Is that the word I'm thinking of? Hmm. I don't uh, think that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> what, uh, what's the word? Like a pantry, food pantry. Yes. Yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> <Like, laughs> not a, the pl- right place. Okay. Um, to, or food that I donate to the local food pantry before we leave. Stuff like that. More inefficiencies. So with that assumption, I added an 11% buffer on top of the 18K that I was spending in Seattle. Um, and that's how I got about 20K a year as a goal spending in retirement. Um, 25 times 20 is 500. So $500,000 was my original goal. And then, of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. A lot of wild things are happening. So this year, I um, adjusted my goal further and decided that I wanted to have two years of expenses, projected expenses, saved as well. So that's $40,000. So right now I have half a million invested and $40,000 in cash, actually probably closer to like 50 or 55 right now. So that's how I did it. But it's really because I have such a longer timeline than the normal math that I had to like adjust it a little bit to what was going to work for me. But taking those numbers and applying it to any 70 year period in the last 150 years based on the simulations and see fire sim, um, I'm going to be good to go. Even if this year that I just retired in is the same as 1929, the beginning of the Great Depression. So I'm feeling pretty secure in my wild plan right now. Well, I feel like you have really thought this out and done the calculations. And I like what you said about having like that two-year cash reserve, because then if the market's tanking for an extended period of time, you're not cashing out investments that might have lost value, right? So is that the the purpose of the buffer? That's exactly it. So assuming I make no money in retirement, which is currently accidentally happening, but I never assume month to month that it will continue. Um, So just assuming that I make no money uh, and just taking that cash buffer and the taxable dividends that will now be deposited into my checking account instead of reinvested. Very exciting. I don't have to touch my portfolio until March 2023. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing. All right. So 
how did you actually start to prepare to live the fire lifestyle while working? Like, did you do some trial runs, like taking a month off and seeing like what your days would look like? Or how did you go about kind of testing it out? I did do a couple of test runs. Sadly, they were not a month because I've never gotten anywhere near that amount of time off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, every time I went on vacation, I try to do little tests. So for example, I went to Costa Rica last year um, for, I think it was a week and a half. And during that time, I made a list of like, what does my ideal fire day in include? And it included getting up and watching the sunrise if I felt like it or later watching the sunset, not having my phone be pinging next to me at any moment and like distracting me from what I'm doing, being fully present in what I'm doing, um, really focusing and enjoying everything throughout the day. So even like the food I'm eating or what we're about to do or um exploring also and investigating things more. For example, if we're about to take a hike in a jungle, what is that jungle? Like where, where did it come from? What, what's this weird flower over here? <laughs> like <laughs> investigate and learn about the world around me instead of just kind of be like laser focused as I am in my job because I want to do a great job and that kind of takes up my entire brain space. Um, so those were my goals. And I was really happy with how it went. I, for the entire day, usually um, didn't have my phone or computer or, or anything. And sometimes that was like, I guess I'm just sitting here like watching that bird right now. <laughs> but it was so interesting. It was great. I was just like, wow, is this what it's like to be present in my life? And it just felt so good. So I did those kind of mini experiments, but we didn't actually test being like nomads until two months before I quit. So there is still a little room to be like, JK. <laughs> but um, luckily, we liked it. We actually got two different monthly Airbnbs in Seattle, just like farther from our apartment, like across the river, and then like a little farther. And we're like tiptoeing away. <laughs> we're like, okay, okay, next up, we fly across the country. Um, so yeah, that's what we were doing. And luckily, when we were living in the monthly Airbnbs, I was like, this is great. This is better than I even thought. So yeah, I guess this can be our life for a while. <laughs> That's freaking amazing. And I have questions about that. So like, how do you go about getting rid of all of the quote unquote non-essential things and decide like what you're going to take on this nomad journey? Oh my goodness. It was, <laughs> a, it was a nightmare. Um, I thought it would be, but I, like, I didn't think we had accumulated that much stuff, but oh, we had. We had, and it was like a little bit on hard mode because we were also trying to get rid of everything during a pandemic. So like my original plan was sell what you can, but if you can't, we're going to rent a truck and just take it to a donation center. Oh, look, all the donation centers are closed. Hmm. <laughs> right. And also, I assume people are wary of used goods during COVID. So I was just like, here we go. But we did it. I actually ended up making almost 2K selling my stuff, which I did not expect. Um, my buy nothing group got a lovely influx of items as well. And we did it. But like, I had to be brutal by the end of it. Because um, in the beginning, I called through my clothes and I was like, oh, maybe I need that. But oh, yeah, I remember when I wore that shirt in like 2007. Oh, I need this for this reason. And then by the end, I was like, nope, nope, nope. It's all going. <laughs> I got to get it out of here. Like the things that were sentimental, I took a picture of 
I have that forever now, but I had to get rid of it. I was like, can you even fit in this shirt? No. Okay. It's gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that kind of stuff. No, it was really hard. Um, but really I also had to think about like, what have you actually worn in the last month? And if this, uh, if this item isn't on that list, we need to think long and hard about why. And is that going to change? It's like packing for a vacation that has no end date. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but also that's a good point because I realized about vacations and this, if there's really something that I regret getting rid of, I could probably get it back. Just just buy it again. I'd be like, yeah. oopsies, <laughs> I made a mistake. Come back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how did you actually plan your quit day? Like what was that mm-hmm. process like? Hmm. Like everything in my life, it's like overly complicated. So I'm trying to <laughs> think of a succinct way. Um, so obviously it was, I projected it out like when based on my current savings rate, I'll definitely have the amount that I want. At the time it was half a million. Um, but of course that included some assumptions. And I think my original assumption was that the market would increase 6% each year, which it does on average, but obviously not like every year, you know, sometimes it goes down, goes up 10%, etc. cetera. Um, and that's what landed me in 2020. And then I ended up picking the exact date (laughs) because I'm a little sneaky. Um, (laughs) My last day was October 1st, 2020. And I picked that because that means that I will get health insurance until the end of October. It also meant in my specific company that I should have received the bonus that I would have earned through September. But actually, that's some drama that is currently ongoing. They're trying not to give me my bonus. And of course, but I'm fighting it. So that's happening. And I'm trying to think. I think those were the main considerations, health insurance and money. Um, And then just making sure I had my number, which I did I actually hit my number despite all odds in July of this year. That's pretty epic considering we are in a freaking pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, it's shocking. Did not expect it. (laughs) So when this pandemic was actually first happening, did you have second thoughts like, is 2020 still going to be the year? Or you were just like, no, it's going to happen. I totally had second thoughts if it was the year I retired because when the market dropped 33% in March and I was looking at three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars instead of the four hundred and fifty I had the week before I was like well that's not great um but what I decided actually is because my main reason behind even wanting to retire early is to be around the people I love depressingly because I don't know when my life or theirs is going to end um the fact that this was a pandemic I was like well Maybe this isn't retirement, but I'm still quitting. I'm still going to be with the people I love because especially now we don't know if we have time left and how much time. So, so yeah, in March, I did the numbers. I was like, okay, so this might not be retirement if the market doesn't recover because I can't save that much difference in like a couple of months. So maybe this is a sabbatical. And as a result of that thinking, I signed up for all of these remote marketing job boards. So I was getting emails every day with like 15 different jobs that I would qualify for that were open. And the number of jobs that were looking for remote marketing positions skyrocketed, not just because everyone was going remote, but because I didn't even think about it. But in this time, everybody's shifting their business strategy. Everybody needs marketing. 
because you have to figure out how to sell. Oh, no, you can still come to Uber because here are all the precautions that were coming in. And you're hiring an agency to do that. Everybody is. So you knew you had a backup plan in the event that you were to lose your income source. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So yeah, um, when I was assuming the market wouldn't go back up, I was thinking I'm still going to quit, but I guess this is a sabbatical. And then the market surprised me and probably a lot of people shot back up. uh, Shortest recession or shortest um, bear market in history, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I hit my number. I'm retired and here we go. Unbelievable. Okay. So what has been your favorite part of the fire life so far? I think it's being intentional. Like, I don't know of any other community that really emphasizes, like, figure out what makes you happy. It doesn't, you, what makes you happy is probably different from what makes anyone else happy. So just like figure out for you. Don't just follow some template. Figure out what it is out and then go do it, even if it costs money. Or figure out how to do it for less. Excuse me. Or figure out how to do it for less. For example, um, my mom and I absolutely love flying international first class. So we got into travel hacking. Like my mom surpassed my expertise. She could teach a class on it now. um, Because we found, we figured out, how can we do this? We don't want to pay $20,000 for that ticket. (laughs) So let's hack it. And then we did. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think it speaks to just the the mindset and the your why is actually what keeps you going during this journey, right? Because it's not like you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have $500,000 or a million dollars or whatever your number is. Like, if you're not focusing on what the greater purpose is and what your life is going to look like once you achieve this, I think it's really, really hard to stay on track and stay motivated. So Mm -hmm. how did you actually stay motivated? Like, what was your end all be all this is why I got to do this it really was just having time with the people I love everything else can be replaced time can't so that was it and um that was one of the reasons I actually stopped my job hopping extravaganza Mm -hmm. because four years before I quit um I got my last job and it was actually remote position and it was with one of the best bosses I've ever had who treated me like an adult who didn't bat an eye when I said, heads up, I'm going to go work from Atlanta to be with my mom for the month of August. See you later. And he's like, all right, whatever. (laughs) So just being able to like slowly increase the amount of time I'm around the people I love and taking those trips to Costa Rica and doing all those things, like I became more comfortable and confident doing that as my journey progressed. And by the end, like I had a life that I I would not be horribly upset if I had that life for the rest of my life. But luckily, I had put the pieces in place to have an option to remove that little piece of stress. And I did. I love it. Okay, so a lot of people that I know that are pursuing fire have all these grand plans. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Plans that they're going to do after they actually reach retirement. And a lot of that involves like just pursuing their own side hustles or passions or whatever. Do you have any plans to actively like build businesses or are you just really going to chill and enjoy life on a day-to-day basis? The latter. I'm like the worst (laughs) example of a fire stereotype. I just want to lay face down on my couch (laughs) and like read a book. But I'm also failing at that because obviously we're talking. I'm retired. I'm happily doing this (laughs) instead of laying face down. I am continuing to write my blog because I absolutely love it, um, at least through next October, October 2021. Um, After that, I'm going to reassess if I want to keep writing weekly or if it's I need to decrease frequently, excuse me, if I want to decrease the frequency or just stop blogging altogether. Um, so I do still have things going on, even though I, I touted the the retirement slug life that I wasn't going to do anything, but y'all got me. I think it's a process though, really. It's like, you can't just shut a switch off and all of a sudden, like just everything that you're kind of working on just disappears. I think you mm-hmm. have to be as intentional about carving out the time as you were about actually pursuing fire, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you got to make those those decisions and um, and block that time in your schedule. Otherwise, like all the other shit that's coming out of nowhere is going to take up the same amount of time. <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> Luckily, the shit is very happy shit. <laughs> yes, that's the important distinction. <laughs> all right. So I'm curious, like what does financial self-care mean to you? I think it means just getting your money in order so you can focus on other things because I used to be so stressed out about money, but I didn't realize that's what I was stressed out about because it was just this baseline and I didn't realize like, oh no, actually if you have that amount of savings, like that baseline stress will actually go away and you can start figuring the rest of your shit out. (laughs) Like you've got other things to figure out, but I'm just like, I, and I couldn't see it. I couldn't see that's what my problem was. So Mm -hmm. that's what helped me. Yeah. I love that. And what advice do you have for someone who wants to pursue fire but doesn't even like know where to start? I think it really is just figuring out what you want because mm-hmm. it's very possible that like some people say FI and not RE. Some people just want the FI, the financial security of being independent but not necessarily want to quit their job. And that's totally cool. So just like figure out what you want. Maybe what you want is just that five part. Maybe it's to lay face down like I want to, or maybe it's just to find 
a remote job or a part-time job or a different career. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's like a huge array of things you can do to make your life happier. So just figure that out. I love that advice. So important to just be more intentional about the life you're living. Like all of this is a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get in this place where they think they have these obligations to stick with a career because they got a degree or because they've been mm -hmm. doing it for X amount of time or because it's what's expected of them. And I say challenge that status quo, challenge that mindset that you've probably had planted in your brain by someone else and really just start being intentional about what you do for work, where you live, how much money you spend, what you're doing with it. I think we could just all use a little bit of intentionality in life, a little bit more. Totally agree. What is your money mantra, Purple? Hmm. Do I even have one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really, yeah, I mean, I've been talking about intentionality this whole time, but I think it really is just do what you want. Like, do what mm. makes you happy, even if it's expensive, or figure out a way to do it cheaper, <laughs> like I did with travel hacking. There is always a way. Mm -hmm. All right, Purple. This has been an amazing conversation. So where can we find out more about you and follow your journey into your new fire life? <laughs> well, I'll be over at apurplelife.com for the next year, until October 2021 at least. Um, that's where I'll be, currently posting weekly. Amazing. I literally love your content, your goals. You are so <laughs> inspirational. And I just thank you for sharing your story, for being a presence in this space, because I feel like the more we have women and women of color talking about how financial independence and early retirement is a real thing that we can also achieve, the more of us that are going to start doing it. So I just want to thank you for even putting yourself out there and being in this space. Of course, Soul. So happy to be here. <laughs> thank you so much. Of course, thank you. Mi gente, did I or did I not tell you that this conversation was going to be fire? Pun intended. Okay, I am obsessed with Purple's content. I've been following her for a very long time as someone in the fire community. And she is goals, y'all. She is someone who many of us look to for guidance, for realness for the real deal experience that it is to pursue fire. And she has been able to accomplish that even in the middle of a friggin' pandemic, okay? So next time you think that something is too lofty, there's a goal out there that you wanna try to achieve, but it just feels out of reach, remember this story, okay? Purple is out here sharing the good, bad, the ugly of her fire journey, and she may not realize it, but she's inspiring many women of color to believe that this is something that we can also pursue. So until next time, guys, stay intentional, stay motivated, stay invested, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.